five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. It says, we value your privacy, blah, 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 except. Let's, this lets us snoop on people in a privacy-first, opt-in, and consent-based way. That's exactly right. As long as we tell you we're doing it, it's okay. That doesn't make it okay. It really doesn't. You know, just imagine. I'm going to run you off the road. Whoop, boom. Or something. That has almost nothing to do with ethics. Just letting you know. And especially when it's, you know, a 12-page document or something in fine print, which I've seen some that are at least that long. And and, and the, the funny part is, is that if you build a website and you have a privacy statement that you lifted from somewhere, it's probably that long. I don't think we have one. On the, I, I used to have uh, the golden rule privacy pro- policy, which says we we won't send you anything we don't think we'd like ourselves, <laughs> something like that. And that's all we had. And we used to collect name, address, phone number, uh, email, the whole thing. I mean, fully. And people would fill it out. About 90% did at least. Of course, you couldn't win the prize unless you did. Okay, so we value your privacy is one of those meaningless market phrases like your call is very important to us or we're all in this together where actions speak louder than words. A Deloitte Touche, this was good, a Deloitte Touche found, a survey found that 91% of consumers consent to terms of service without reading them. I occasionally read them, but what are you going to do, right? For younger consumers, 18 to 35, this was even higher at 97%. They just click. You know, what are you going to do? Um, there was a there was a uh, an organization called Pro Privacy, and they offered a dollar to people to take a survey, which asked them to read and accept a set of terms and conditions. These included naming rights to their firstborn children, access to airspace over their properties for drone traffic, and permission to give their moms full access to their browser history. <laughs> Pro Privacy found that only one percent, which would be consistent with the Deloitte survey, read the terms and conditions close enough to catch these these clauses before accepting them so anyway rebecca kelly slaughter i talked about her last week but i didn't know her first names uh gave a speech and said notice and choice is not enough especially when there really isn't choice you know you say i want this software i want i want to install this app that's the want this button says accept uh, that's that's the condition of it. You know, you're not charging me. I'm the product. I know that. But uh, advertisers will have to shift to data minimization. We are all surveyed, surveilled, tracked, targeted, and often our choices are manipulated and limited. This is not the result of the expression of informed preference in a well-functioning marketplace. Yeah, amen. This is a good a good time for forward-thinking brands to prepare for what could come next. You know what will come next? Direct mail. It's a, great, it's a great system. It even deals with GDPR. We'll get to that in a second. And the wife says, don't worry, it's only marketers. See the head in the window there? It's only marketers collecting our personal data so they can create more relevant advertising for us. Yeah, right. Okay. Or, or Facebook so they can ban us forever for our opinions on stuff that's, you know, well-documented and true. But that doesn't matter. They're a private company. They can do whatever they want, right? Okay. So why do you get that look whenever we talk about GDPR compliance? And as I've said before, 
according to Nigel Swaby, who's a list broker and friend in the UK, uh, J.D. Williams, when JDPR came out, they, they as far as he, he's told me, uh, they erased everybody that wasn't within 12 months of buying because they thought GDPR required them to do that by their privacy policies. The rest of the mailers in England got together and talked to the ICO and said, hey, we've been mailing these people for 40 years and they want to get the mailing. Can we keep going even if they haven't bought in the last 12 months? Oh, sure. You know, you have a compelling interest or whatever. There's a there's a loophole there somewhere that says, you know, you've been doing this a long time and nobody complains. They seem to like it. Uh, sure, fine. But by then, J.D. Williams had erased it all. So don't don't get too panicky yet. But direct mail, in some ways, is the key to compliance with a lot of these rules and regulations. Uh, CCPA, I think for sure, because it was written basically about email. And um, so there you go. So thanks for that, Tom. Okay, I've been wanting to get to this article. I've, been, I've had it in my in my description couple of times uh disrupt delight and drive action this is by gabriel hauk but it's really by brent namath who's uh president and and partner in jay schmidt and jack and i worked together on some stuff uh back when he wasn't interested in data that i mean he was he wasn't a data analyst guy so he had me come in and we we did some great work it was really fun um for some brands out there in kansas city but anyway, now the kids are running it. Brent's a kid, right? He'll like that. Anyway, so when you look at direct-to-consumer brands now, they're the cool kids. They're the ones leading the way. I'm telling you, this is where you want to go. Look forward to direct mail. Okay? They're the ones who figured out how to connect with consumers uh, in a big, more, more impactful, powerful, and memorable way. Uh, he did a 30-minute Brand United webinar. I would give you this link, but I've tried it several times, and it, it tells you that it's upcoming even though it's over, and you can't get to the recording as far as I can tell. So, Brent, if there's a way to get to the recording, I'd love to watch it, but we'll just take this as as it. Warby Parker, who is a glasses, contact lenses, and sunglasses. Casper is a mattress company, and HelloFresh is... Uh, Sends you vegetables and stuff. Actually, they send you a whole meal in a box. I know because some of the channels I watch on YouTube. That's one of the few places I, every now and then, it's not the ads because I have the premium thing, but it's the endorsed products in the in the uh, YouTube videos. I do actually see those and I remember them because I, I feel a connection with those people on YouTube. So I would highly suggest you consider that as a, as a viable use of digital advertising. Anyway... Being disruptive with direct mail. Okay, it's getting harder to stand out in this jam-packed marketing world, except that the mailbox is noticeably empty. I got my Land's End this week, though. I, I was so excited about it. But, you know, in the spirit of, and it was thick, too. I would, I would guess 240 pages or something. I mean, it's a really thick book. But I got to the fleeces. This isn't a Land's End today, but, you know, most of the time it is. I want purple. I want a purple fleece this year. It's like the only color I don't have. And uh, they're not offering it in purple. What, what, what's wrong with them? I don't know. So I'm going to have to find a purple fleece at some other company. I will find it. I'm sure it exists somewhere. Anyway, so uh, when people hear disrupt, they think you got to yell louder and be crazier, which sometimes works, but sometimes doesn't. Being louder doesn't matter being different does, and direct mail is disruptive by nature. Why? Because 
The mail does not throw itself out. You have to look at it. Okay. Casper, buying a mattress through the mail, who would have thought? But, you know, the blue stripe packaging comes and it's like a mobile billboard. Yeah, we actually bought, we bought from uh, the one where nobody's at the store. <laughs> I forget the name of the company. <laughs> you go in, you'll jump on the beds a couple times and there's nobody there. And then you buy it online. So we did buy an online mattress and we didn't like it. And so we got a different one. And I don't really like that one either. I like the one we'd had for almost 30 years. But my wife said they're no good for 30 years. Anyway, Warby Parker sunglasses company uh they 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 opened retail stores they started out digital but they said if we also reach out to our customers through direct mail and uh we can make the experience even better right it gets through and that's the part that matters right 95 percent of buying decisions are based on emotion yeah and often it's like the tire is flat and so you're mad at the tire and whatever but you better go get another one so brands need to consider how they make people feel. Well, we're going to go on to that and, uh, in Ritson's. So I encourage you to read the rest of this article, but I basically agree with almost everything Brent says. Um, relax the back. That was an interesting one. Their product can go upwards of $9,000. Of course, if it fixes your back, you know, how good is that, right? Really great. Um, so Brent emphasizes disrupt. Do something different to get noticed. Delight. Once you have their attention, make it worth their time and dry, give the consumer a reason to act and try to see this, try to see this webinar. If anybody can figure that out, I'd love to hear it. But I want to get over to Ritson because this is one of, again, one of his, one of his really, really uh, brilliant points. And I've been kind of harping on this probably for about 30 years. So, so way to go, Mark. Uh, but he has a bigger audience than I do. So trust in brands is illusory. Just look at Facebook's continued growth. And that's his main data point. But I, uh, you know, I worked in the financial uh, marketing area a while. And for a while, there was this 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 belief that if you uh, if you had somebody's checking account, that they they loved your bank and trusted it. And we're in a relationship and we're going to be loyal. And I hated my bank and I hated my checking account. But I had so darn many auto withdrawal things and connected things that it took me a while to set up that I didn't want to change, not because I liked the bank, but because I didn't like change. And finally I did it because I got annoyed enough. But that is a picture of, you know, when you have a monopoly, people don't have choice. It doesn't matter. They don't, it doesn't matter whether they love you or not. They can't get what you got anywhere else. And that's the situation with Facebook. <clears throat> now, this week, Francis Haugen said that not only did Facebook harm children, <clears throat> and I think adults, the comp not, not because of, not, not particularly because of Facebook, because, you know, it's, it's a crazy world out there. Now, I, there, I'm in about a dozen beekeeping sites on Facebook. There's just nothing like it. Uh, on any other platform, I can be in contact with people in the UK, in Australia, New Zealand, just all over Spain. I'm in a Spanish, uh, I'm in a, I'm in a beekeepers in Spain who speak English group in Facebook. Okay. So just, just, I, you know, I go on other platforms and there's three people 
you know, but in this, there's, you know, a thousand in each or something. And everybody posts and every day I go on there and there's new beekeeping articles and there's no, there's no ads. I mean, cause I'm just within the group, you know, I don't ever look at my data feed or whatever it's called, my news feed. I didn't ever look at it at all. Uh, there may be ads on the sidebar, but they're not interesting either because once you open the, the notifications, it obliterates all of that. So I'm happy and, uh, I'd like to get off it, but Hey, I want to know about beekeeping. Um, uh, Haugen said, I don't trust that they're even willing to invest anything to keep Facebook from being dangerous. You know, in, in some ways, in some ways dangerous, you know, I mean, I grew up with a TV set. And in those days, the parents didn't really figure out that, uh, you, you know, that if you sat kids right down, well, I think my parents did because they limited us to like one show once we got a little older. But, you know, I remember watching the 1960 Democratic Convention. I was five years old. I was or six years, five or six years old with my dad. And, you know, there was riots and police beating up the delegates and stuff. It was in Chicago. So it was I'm sure he thought it was just a normal thing. But, you know, it was kind of scary for me. I had nightmares about the about the Cuban Missile Crisis invasion, I thought they were going to invade Wisconsin. I didn't know. How, how could I tell at five or six years old? Okay. <laughs> so people, many of its own users, just don't trust Facebook, right? So, I mean, the damage is because we, we, we like stuff that, you know, we like. And, and when, whether, when there's an unlimited source, that's the part that's new to human history. You know, in the past, I mean, like the TV shut off at midnight when I was in high school. <laughs> you couldn't watch any longer than that, right? It didn't go 24-7. And there wasn't an unlimited supply of movies. There were only bad ones, you know, that were from the 1930s or something at late night. I remember when I finally got old enough to be able to watch the late, the Late Late Show, which started at 10.30 at night. Can you imagine? That isn't even late for me. Anyway, here's trustworthiness. And Facebook is, 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 has one of the lowest I trust them. And one of the, it's, if we rounded this without the extra digit, because it's only a thousand people and, you know, us, you know a, 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 three digits is a little, you know, when you have percentages, that's one, two, three, three digits of percentage with only a thousand people. It's like one fewer person than this. If we rounded it to up, we would get to 43% and 43%. It would be the most untrusted, most distrusted major platform would be Facebook. Okay. From January, 2021, this year. And yet it keeps growing. And that shows you, and here is trust by year and you can see it took a plummet down here in in 2018 2019 i think that's what that is and uh that's october and but it yet it keeps growing now this is this is all added up across the world okay um north america is really flat really 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 flat but that's partly because you know they got 186 million households on it already you know there's only 300 million people and they got 186 million of them on facebook probably every day right so but it's because they have a monopoly there's no place else you can go for like beekeeping content especially if you want it in spanish or you want a, an alternative hive style that i am interested in or alternative beekeeping methods so anyway all of this talk about trust 
I've always said when when they came up with the name CRM, which some say, myself included, uh, that I invented, I said this is completely wrong. Customer relationship, your customers don't have a relationship with you. They don't think of you as a relationship. They think of you as a vendor. They think of you as some place to get cigarettes or whatever they're after. You know, they're out. They know where to get them. That's all they're thinking. They're not thinking about you as the trusted source for, you know, I used to buy my tobacco at Walgreens. Think about that. Walgreens, your trusted source for health, and we'll sell you tobacco. They don't, I don't remember. I think their selection went downhill. Well, it was pipe tobacco. Now I can buy it online. JR's. I like the, I like the name. Anyway, trust is not fundamental to branding. Get over it, right? And Land's End, I, I trust you, I love you, but your catalog stinks. It doesn't have any details. It doesn't really have all the products. It means I have to go online, but it does show me the colors. My wife pointed out that even though the model that I like that zips all the way down isn't shown, she said it's mentioned, if you read, and it's not in purple. So they told me just enough to keep me from going to the site. And I bet they don't have purple turtlenecks either. Uh, anyway, Gary V says, no, says, you start by building a brand customers know and like. Steve, brand, Steve Jobs thought brand was simply trust. And uh, so, but when you, but what we've done is we've anthropomorphized these brands, partly because we have this philosophy like Brent was elucidating there, that Brands are somehow like people, but they're not. And Ritson goes into great, too much detail, things I don't even want to know <laughs> about himself and his wife that you can read. If you if you go over to WDMA and subscribe, then you get all the show notes all marked up and you get to get the real details. But anyway, I've been going too long. Like and share. I don't get enough shares. If you're out on LinkedIn, give this thing a share. Because uh, I talked with a with a video live stream expert last week, and he said, yep, everybody. He says he visits a 1,000 live streams on LinkedIn, and they're all experiencing just no share. And I think that LinkedIn thinks that I'm on here saying the same things every day, which anybody who follows me knows that I'm not. So have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.